0: God is so awesome. You know, I, I, uh, <coughs> as we were worshiping, I'm looking around and I just have to tell you, I love you guys. I love this church. I love the family that has come together here. And I want to explain why. Because I looked around and during worship, you know, I mean, people are hit with things throughout life, right? But we have a lot of people here hit with things. And, you know, I, I, I think of Beth. I think of Carson, obviously. I think of Tom, who I've talked to a couple of weeks ago about stuff. Uh, think of Minetta, You know, think of of even people that you wouldn't know. I, I think of Anissa who, who has migraine headaches that you probably wouldn't even know that. You know, I think of my mom and her back. And I, I think of of all these things that we're hit with, but yet then we don't see the things that people hold in. And those are the various attacks that the enemy does to frustrate us, to uh, depress us, to go after us, to discourage us. And uh, I, I would imagine if I were to go around to each person right now, each person would have a story about that, where where they're being attacked. I, I know I, I was attacked yesterday, and it, it's funny how sometimes you don't recognize it. Now, mine, mine wasn't... Um, Uh, discouragement or anything like that. Mine was this agitation. And I didn't even recognize it at first. And and now, I have this picture in my mind of of this spirit just clinging on the back of me and just poking me in the head. You ever have a a little kid just, come on, do that to you? Try that all day long. kind of gets you irritated, doesn't it? And then anybody that talks to you, it's like, okay, what's wrong with you? I don't know, this thing's poking me in the back of the head. I don't know. But that was going on with me yesterday, and, and I didn't necessarily recognize that. And, and then, you know, later in the day, I did recognize it, but my pride wouldn't allow me to deal with it. Right? I thought, wait a second, those arguments I had, I, I was right in those arguments. And by the way, I stand before you today saying I still am right in those arguments. The agitation was wrong, however, the anger was wrong, right? And I wouldn't let my pride bring me to that. And then, and then, so I love my wife so much. My wife, who uh, my wife who who is this this pillar of truth to me, <laughs> right? Now she isn't here this morning. This is the first Sunday. Except for us being gone to Nigeria, this is the first Sunday she will miss because of sickness. And it isn't even her own sickness. It's, it's our daughter who, who was up all night last night throwing up. The only kid I know who throws up and still is, can be happy. It's like, seriously, aren't you tired? It's 4 o'clock in the morning, you've been throwing up all night, and she just wants to sit there and talk. And and it, hold on one second. Goes comes back. Okay, so where were we?
1: <laughs> I'm like,
0: okay, this is not my child. This is not my child. This is not her child either. I, I don't know where she came from. She's not our child. But but so my, my wife, who who is this pillar of truth to me, you know, I'm, I'm going downstairs this morning, and, and I always have quiet time before, you know, on Sunday mornings, and I, I go downstairs, and as I'm going downstairs, Alexa said, you better deal with that this morning, because you got to preach.
1: Oh my
0: <laughs> okay, pride, you know, pride's still there, and then the Lord tells me she's right. You know, do you want to stand before all those people and then just have your own words come out? Go ahead, keep walking. <laughs> So, so we deal with these things all the time, right? But one thing that's important is to recognize when it's something from the enemy. Recognize, you know, and, and what are? It's real easy, guys. Depression, anger, you know, fear, deception. All these things, those are from the enemy. They're not from God. So this agitation I was feeling yesterday, that was from the enemy, right? See, I have authority to deal with that. We've talked about it. We, in fact, I think we spent like five years on it recently. <laughs> in that, you, I, what was it, I think it was a ten-week series, and we're not really even done with it yet, on, on going before the courts of heaven, on dealing with spiritual warfare. But, you know, you can have all the tools to deal with it and not choose to deal with it. That's what I did yesterday. Because I was enjoying my time with my pride being right. See, it didn't get me anywhere. Certainly didn't get me where I wanted to be with the Lord. But you know the beauty of it is when we recognize that, there's an easy fix. There's an easy fix, guys. Because sometimes the enemy comes after us and they have authority to come after us. When we sin, we give authority to the enemy to come after us. You know, but something I, I don't know if I mentioned to you during that series or not sometimes the enemy comes after us without authority. sometimes he does not have the authority to come after us, but he does. Now he takes great risk in doing that because he he, he I mean retribution can be can be pretty tough, but doesn't mean he doesn't do it. When you have a target on your back, when you're saved and you want to live for the Lord and you want to have a testimony for a, for the Lord, you place a target on your back. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you come to this church, I apologize, but by association, you have a target on your back. So when you have a target on your back, the enemy comes after you. But it's real simple, as we dealt with in, in just a couple of weeks ago. To deal with that, it's about recognizing what's going on first and then going before the Lord and just saying, I'm sorry. I had to do that this morning. I had to go to him and say, Father, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for allowing that agitation, for not recognizing what the enemy was doing. Forgive me, Lord. And, and then I, I couldn't leave it there as much as I wanted to. I couldn't leave it there. I had to go and apologize to Alexis, and I had to go and apologize to Brooke. Okay, even though my pride did not want me to do that, I had to go apologize to them because it would not make any difference asking God's forgiveness if my pride continued that sin going. Does that make sense? So I had to go and deal with that with all the people that were involved with it. And when I did, and asked forgiveness from the Lord, I can tell you that a weight was lifted immediately. Why? Because that enemy did not have authority to come after me yesterday. If I would have recognized it right away, I could have just immediately told it to leave, and it would have had to. It had no authority to be there. It went there with the desire to gain authority. Now, what, what did I do? And, and think about it in your own life. I actually gave it authority. It had no authority to be there in the first place. But in my reaction to it in pride and anger and whatever it was, different things, I gave it authority to continue going after me. So, I did, this isn't even what I'm preaching on, but... <laughs> sorry. But as we're going this morning, I just... I just felt the need to share with you to stay in the fight because the enemy is is going after us the enemy is strong and going after us but recognize that it's him and recognize that you have something inside you called the Holy Spirit that gives you the authority to deal with that enemy and, and by the way we're a family if if you have difficulty with some, some of that or even understanding it or anything else, there are people you could go to in this family that will fight for you. And just, just recognize that and, and know what he's doing. So we thank you, Lord. And let, let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we love you. We thank you and praise you. <clears throat> Lord, as we get going this morning, I just pray that every word that I speak is only of you that none of them are my own. But I give my mouth, I give my thoughts, I give my, my will to you and seek your will in it. Father, I pray that you prepare hearts to receive this morning because this new subject that we're about to tap into is, is exciting and it's hopeful. <clears throat> And there's just a lot to it. So God, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth is you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're going to be talking about heaven. Okay? (laughs) But probably not your typical sermon on heaven. Right? Which You're used to that. You don't get too much typical here. Heaven... I get a kick out of the fact when you talk to people about heaven and say, hey, what do you think heaven is? And you get these answers. And I've been doing this recently because I, I know the Lord was having me do this. And, and it's just wild, some of the answers that you get. But before we get into that, I want to play a quick video that might, give, it, it, it might resonate with you. Now these are kids, but it might resonate with you some of the things and the answers that they give about heaven.
2: Heaven looks like a beautiful place. Create a color with glitter. My color is the medicine. for purple and pink and red and white. Pinky purple. Maybe I'm thinking that heaven might look like a cloud. 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 Over the snow. Clouds. The whole world he needs to make a darn screw for you. <laughs> like, like the more people that move in the heaven, the, the bigger God makes it. And to sort of give them more room to play. That's going to be awesome. My grandma's lap will be in heaven. My dad is getting super old. I think my dad's gonna be the first one that's gonna die. <sighs> really? I think that's the only girl. Go. I think I'm not gonna die. I think I'm just gonna be over myself. And animals, I can't stand playing with Jesus. Dogs. Woof, woof. This is gonna be a baseball team in heaven. And White House, I think, will be in heaven. We could let like the people who play the clubs go to heaven. I'm so excited to go to heaven. A Jesus, and I was planning on giving him a high five or something. Uh, I'll miss when he does download slow words, because he's fast. it's going to be, like, stuff in like, hell. The stuff that's in the world. Even in Texas, even in California. I don't have a zip line, so then I can, like, get, like, a paper towel, and then jump on it, and then it would hold on, and then I can, like... I'm aware of some pleas up and have a pree. I think there's gonna be every food on earth in heaven And that cereal, Bread and juice and fruit? Like watermelon, maybe some strawberries. It's not a big time I've been having. And when think about getting hungry, you don't have to go to the grocery store at all. Just have your head at all. I'll never get cold or sick or hungry or anything. So just be happy. I'm not going to slow down in heaven. And I only got an alley. I left all over my floor. It'll be okay. In heaven. And I love this guy
0: the last thing I can tell you about heaven <laughs> kids are awesome you know what's funny is, is as I talk to adults about heaven <laughs> the answers aren't much different you know we, we, we if you were to think to yourself if I were to go around and ask okay what do you think heaven's like I'm going to say I was going to say 99 out of 100, but I, I think I'm going to say 999 out of 1,000 probably only have basic concepts of what it's going to be like, of what heaven is really like, right? Well, it, it, we, you know, some people think, well, it's just going to be this big banquet. And we know there's food in heaven. Praise God, too. <laughs> and you don't have to stop eating. I guess you never get fooled, maybe? I i don't know. That's awesome to me. <laughs> I, I was born for heaven. I'm telling you. You know, or, or some, some take the attitude that, it, well, you know, it, it, we just kind of float around Jesus and worship him 24 hours a day. Okay. Well, first of all, part of that's wrong because there's no time in heaven, so the 24-hour part doesn't work. But... That I don't know about you. That's what I thought when I was a kid. I thought, well, you go to heaven and, and you just worship like those angels that just float around Jesus, you know, all the time, saying holy, holy, holy. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do forever. And and I got to think, you know, the the one side of me that that says, well, I have to be obedient, so I have to like that. Jesus, I want to go to heaven, but man, that seems awfully boring to me. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, after about the first 20 minutes, y- y- can we say something else?
1: <laughs> can we
0: do something else? You know, and, and, and then, you know, others think that, that well, it's, it's just this pasture land, beautiful green grass, except that one little girl who said there's no grass. But it, these beautiful fields where we just kind of walk and contemplate life
1: <laughs> or what
0: life was, <laughs> You know, I don't know. What, think about it. You know, what would you say if you were asked what is heaven like? Well, I don't know. You know, it, most, most people really don't dig into what it's going to be like. But do you understand that there has to be a reason that we're doing this, right? And it can't be just the fact that, well, it's got to be better than hell right? We know there's a heaven. We know there's a hell. And even though my salvation, I got saved when I was nine. I was one of those that was saved because, not not so much because heaven looked so good to me, but hell looked really bad. And I didn't want to go there. And so, yeah, I want to get to know this Jesus. And at nine year, years old, I, I gave my heart to him and accepted him. But But we understand that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. And as people on earth, we make choices. We will make a choice as to where we go, literally, by accepting or denying Jesus Christ as our Savior. But when we accept Him, okay, we also are given this blessed hope. Right? Does that ring a bell in the Word of God? We're given a blessed hope in Him. Hope in what? Hope in pasture lands as far as I can see where you just walk and contemplate? Well no, there has to be more than that, right? It's supposed to be paradise. I don't know what what do you think of when you think of paradise? I, I don't I don't think of boredom. I don't think of walking and contemplating for eternity. You know, I think of the very things that charge me. Right? They get me going, that get me energized for enjoyment. Right? Now that can actually be fun things. I don't know about you. I I, I get a charge out of doing certain things. I, I love skiing. I get a charge to go skiing. Right? I love golf, but that's not so much a charge as much as a frustration that I can't get rid of. Right? <laughs> so we have these things that, that get us going. So, so why do we think that the enjoyment that God gives us on this earth, that is a godly enjoyment, why don't we think that those things will be available in heaven? We don't really think about that, right? Okay? There is a heaven and hell, and we talked about these choices of one place or the other, but when you choose Jesus Christ and when you choose heaven, one day, unless the rapture comes before you pass away, one day we're all going to die. It's pointed unto man wants to die, right? And after that, eternity. So what happens that next moment? I want to get into this series right now about what happens after you breathe your last breath. Or upon the point of the rapture, if, if we're still alive when that happens, if, if, if um, God chooses to do it then. But what happens at that point for each of us, and, and let, me, let me digress for just a moment. Each person, when we're created, we're created again with an option. We're created with a choice to believe Jesus Christ or not believe in Jesus Christ. To accept Him as Savior or to deny Him as Savior. It's real simple. And that choice affects where we go, whether it be heaven or whether it be hell. And it's going to be based on two judgments the Bible talks about. Okay? There are actually three judgments, but one is a nation judgment. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the individual judgments. There's two of them. There's the Great White Throne Judgment, and then there's the Bema Seat Judgment, B-E-M-A. Okay? And these two we're going to talk about. The first one, we're going to get it out of the way, okay? because this is one we don't want to be at. This is one that, that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you're going to be at this one. I want you to turn to, first of all, Romans chapter 6. Okay, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this. Most of you know this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we all have a choice because we all have sinned. The consequence for sin is death. This is not physical death on this earth. This is a spiritual death. When we sin, which we all sin, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, when we sin, we deserve death. The spiritual death. That is a residence in hell for eternity. We deserve that because God is righteous and He cannot allow any unrighteousness around Him. Okay? So so we deserve this death. And and again we'll we'll get into how how you avoid this spiritual death, but I but I want to deal with this first judgment. Let's turn to Revelation chapter twenty two. And what happens in this one? This is at the end of time, if you will. Okay? This is this is after the rapture. This is after the second coming of Christ. This is after the the thousand year reign of Christ, which we'll get into in a little bit here. This is after all of that, all of those who have been dead who did not accept Jesus Christ have been in what you might call a holding tank, okay? It is a it is hell, but it is what is Considered the first layer, I'll, I'll say it that way, of hell. It is Hades. It is the abyss. It is in the center of the earth. It is the pit of fire, right? It is the place where we think of when somebody does not accept Jesus Christ, that's where they go, right? Okay, they go there for a time, right? That is not the ultimate, the ultimate hell. They go there for a time until this time of judgment. Because every man and woman born on this earth will face some sort, one of two judgments. Okay? Now, those who did not accept Christ, once the, the great white throne judgment comes into play, they are called before God's throne. Let's, re- let's read Revelation 22, start at verse 11. Okay, why is my iPad not working here? Oops, yes. Revelation. Revelation 20, sorry. Okay, Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, plural, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. And this is what I was talking about. They're, they're like... Uh, um, when, when someone dies and they go to Hades right now then they're given up so the sea gave up the dead who were in it death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one of them according to what they had done then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of it, we won't go on there that, that's the, let me, let me uh, comment on this first before we read verse 14 but it says it says that We go, those who do not know Christ, go before a throne. Go before a judgment throne called the Great White Throne Judgment. Right? The Great White Throne. This is the Father on the throne. Okay, this is not Jesus Christ on the the throne. This is the Ancient of Days. This is the Father on the throne. This is the final judgment before what we would consider eternity. And it says here, so if you can picture this courtroom setting... And the Father says to open the books. So there's one book that will include, that's used this one book, the the book of life used for everybody. And then the other book that is opened is the book of their life. So the book of their life is opened, and that is what it says at the end of verse 12, where it says, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. See, we're all sinners, right? We're all unrighteous. We all deserve death. But when we do not have the covering of Jesus Christ on us by accepting Him as Savior, then we have to stand for ourselves. And that's what the great white throne judgment is. You can imagine having to stand before the Father and have your book opened and read. This is... What you did. This is the choice you made. This is how you lived your life. And then what happens is they open the second book. And we can read verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So he goes through the person's life Justifying the fact in court that death is deserved. And then he looks in the book of life and does not see that person's name written in the book. And do you understand, just like we talked about in the last series, there is no choice he can make except to give the judgment that's rendered. There's no choice. Because see we had a choice here on earth So then what happens is All of hell And all of Hades And all of that Will be gathered together And cast out Hell will no longer be in the center of the earth Hell hell, hell will no longer be the bottomless pit It will be cast out to where it's forgotten It's completely remembered no more At that point. This is the great white throne judgment. Now I think it's interesting because, see I I used to think that Jesus was the one that did all the judgments. But no, he is our advocate. He is our intercessor. He does do the, the, the next judgment, which we'll get into. But in this one, he is there at the great white throne. And we're going to see, you could turn to Matthew chapter 7, we're going to see where he is. But he is there, he is, no, he is not these people's advocate, because you never see him stand up for them. They were not written in the Lamb's book of life, they did not accept Jesus Christ as Savior, so he does not intercede for them with his righteousness. Okay, but what, what happens? Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, you can imagine this person standing before the court, standing before the Father, and receiving this this verdict, and him looking over at Jesus and saying, "Well, wait a second, I, I, I was a good person. I, I did this good. I I, I I gave to the poor. I helped people. I, I handed out food at Thanksgiving. I was always nice. I tried my best, you know, to be a good person. I tried my best not to lie. You know, I tried my best not to deceive somebody. I this, I this, I this, I this. I tried to do this. And what's Jesus' response I never knew you. Why? Because you never gave yourself to me. That was the only requirement to not have to face this judgment. That's important to understand. It has no, nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do with how intelligent you are. Has nothing to do with what you can do in your life to strive in your own. It has nothing to do with that. It has simply to do with recognizing who Jesus Christ is and what He did. What He did on the cross for us. And then saying, Yes, Lord, I accept You as my Savior. I give You my life. I give You my heart. Come and live inside of me. When we do that, you know why heaven rejoices when somebody gets saved? Because Jesus goes to that book of life and he opens it up. And he takes his pen and he writes a new name. See, just like we talked about in the last series, these are real books. These are real choices. This really is going to happen. We have to understand that The deception that Satan puts us through in this life That really it's about this life And it's about the cares of this world And it's about my job And it's about making money And it's about this And it's about that Where Jesus says, no It's about me And if you trust me I work the rest out Sounds familiar, right? A verse we all know. Matthew 6, 33. So at the end of the world... Now, by the way, let me, let me point this out too, because this is long after. Like, we will, we will have been around at least a thousand years. Well, technically at least a thousand and seven years. Okay? Because you have the... If Jesus were to come right now, and and we meet him in the clouds right now, and the tribulation came immediately following that, and then his coming, second coming immediately following that. You're looking at a thousand and seven years because you have the thousand year reign of Christ, which that's what we're really going to get into in this series. Okay, but in that time frame, you know, you you have you have it, this this concept of this great white throne. I just want to get across it's. It's, it's the most important choice you're going to make in your life. And I, I know most people in here have made that choice. But when you get this in your mind and get this to the understanding of what the cost is, you'll start seeing people differently. You'll start seeing the waiter or waitress differently. You know, I, 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 I never used to do this, but, but now, um, and I learned this from Todd White you know, Todd White talks about as a Christian we should be tipping 100 percent at least. I've not gotten there yet, but I, I tip 50 percent, and and you know what? It, it, it really curbs how often you go out to eat. <laughs> let me tell you. But when you do, take the opportunity to let them know why. You know, I, I always write a little note on on the thing, and it, you know. Thank you so much. You did a great job. God bless you. Jesus loves you so much. And and here, here you know, and then give them the good tip, but let them know why. See, you'll see people differently when you understand the real consequences of the single choice that they make. When you can make a difference in a person's life from going to heaven or from going to hell. When you understand what hell is, I think it's important to understand that. You know, we don't like to think about that. We don't like to think about what heaven, or or, I mean, what hell is. But when you start to understand what hell is and you see other people that don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, you have a new view of them. All of a sudden, they're not the people that irritate you, they're the people that don't know Christ and that may only hear about Christ through you. Right. Well, it, it it works the same on the opposite scale. If all we can tell people about heaven is you'll float around in a cloud, worshiping, and you know get to walk in some grassy knoll, <laughs> I, I've even heard people say, "Why? Why would I want that? Hell will be more fun, man. I can do what I want." Wrong. <laughs> The more we understand these things, the more we can be a witness to others. And the more we begin to see what's important in letting them know. So, so again, those who do not accept Jesus Christ, they will face this judgment, the great white throne judgment. And that's one we don't want to be at. Right? Now, now, I wonder though, I, I actually believe we'll be there. I mean, we won't be judged there. I don't mean that. But we will see. We will see family members. We will see friends. We will see people that we knew come before that court because we'll be there. We'll be witnesses to that. And it'll be devastating in our heart. You know, when it, it's something important to understand. When the Bible says that there will be no more tears in heaven, okay, that is the eternity after the great white throne judgment, there will be plenty of tears in the next 1,007 years, right? There will be plenty of tears through the 1,000-year reign of Christ. There will be plenty of tears. See, the problem is, he doesn't wipe the tears away. He doesn't wipe the memory away until after the great white throne judgment and I think there's a reason why. I think when, when, especially when we're here on earth, we need to understand the criticalness of not sharing Jesus Christ with other people. When, when we can be the ones that, that God could use to make a difference in somebody's life, and we choose not to let Him do it, maybe because of fear, or because of you know we're in a hurry or, or whatever, you know, and, and believe me, I'm right there with you. You know, I, it, it, it's so easy to, oh, someone else will get them. If, if it's the Lord's will, someone else will get them. No, it was the Lord's will for us to speak to him. Once we get this concept, this understanding of what heaven is, and what the alternate is, it, it, it just sets a fire under you. It, it, it allows you to see people very differently. <laughs> So then we have that judgment. okay? But then we have the other judgment seat. And this is the one we're going to get into over the next couple of weeks. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. And I want you to understand that once we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, does not mean that we don't sin anymore. I know that seems radical. <laughs> but believe it or not, there are people that believe that. There are people that believe that you cannot sin once you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior because you become perfectly righteous. And we talked about this, um, I think, toward the beginning of, of Ignition when we first started, when we did the uh, uh, putting on the whole armor of God. But um, but 1 John chapter 1, verse... 8. We're going to begin and we'll go through two, one. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Now, by the way, 1 John, John here is, he is speaking to saved people. Okay, we'll show that here in a minute. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus does not become your advocate until you accept Him as Savior. Understand that He is the advocate for those whom the Father gives Him. And those are the ones who accept Him as Savior. So what he's saying, he's talking to a person here who is saved, and he says, but if any of you do sin, we have an advocate before the Father. Now we talked about that in the last series. The Father is the judge. He's sitting in the court. What is an advocate? The Greek word for advocate literally means attorney, lawyer. Jesus Christ is our lawyer. He is our attorney before the court. Why? Because when we get saved, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we don't just automatically go to heaven. We don't just, I accept him, think, I'm gone. Right? It'd be really nice if he did that. But we don't. We, we still live here. We still spend out our days learning to trust him, learning to fall in love with him, learning who he is and the communication back and forth with him so we have we have this this time of learning okay but but when we sin then there happens something happens in our relationship with him and we've talked about this before when you sin it puts up a barrier, puts up a wall between you and Jesus Christ, right? So, we had, what he said, and I'm, I'm not getting into this part of it, I just want you to understand that there is sin after salvation. Now, the beauty of it is there's, there's also our, we have an advocate, and we have this promise that he says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, forgive us of our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who? God the Father the one who's on the throne in chapter 2 verse 1 he's who forgives us of our sins what's he do? it's because he sees us through the filter of Jesus Christ who is our attorney who is our advocate when we go and we ask forgiveness this is not asking for the Lord to save us again we are already saved Okay, we talked about this once before and again we're going to get into this later but Salvation is broken down into three things. It's justification, it's sanctification, and it's glorification. Our our justification is what we call our salvation. When we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we're justified. It's like God takes this big old Jesus blanket and throws it over us. Right? We're covered in Christ. We're covered with His blood, His cleansing blood, that to the Father, when He looks at us, He sees righteousness, even though we still sin. It said, We still sin. We're saved, but we still sin. I think if you look at your own life, you could probably answer that for yourself. We still sin. But God the Father looks at us as righteous because we have the Advocate, Jesus Christ, draped all over us. Now here's the problem. When we sin as saved people, we put a barrier between us and Jesus Christ. So there are things as our attorney that he cannot do for us when we have those barriers there, right? And think about this. If you, if you have to go to court for something, and let, let's say you're accused of something and you go to court and you're standing there and, and you expect your lawyer to handle everything for, for you but you don't talk to him <laughs> you know if he asks you a question you, you won't answer you don't speak to him you have a barrier between you that, that you can't communicate that's what sin is sin is a barrier between us and Jesus Christ right? So because of that, we, we, we can ask forgiveness and be, be uh, cleansed of our, our, our sin right away. Okay, but I want you to understand something else too. Turn to John chapter 18. All of us who accepted Jesus Christ, even in our continued sin, are not lost. We may have difficulty in life. We may not get what we could get. But we do not lose our lives. We we have not lost our lives. Turn, uh, let's see. John 18, we're going to read verse 9. And and this is, Jesus says, This was to fill the word that He had spoken. Of those whom you have given Me, I have lost not one. And He goes further in Mark. he, He says that, that there was only one that he lost and talk about his 12 disciples there was only one that he lost but it was, it was the one that was of the will of the Father and that was, that was Judas who betrayed him Okay, Jesus did not lose any that the Father had given him and he says elsewhere that he does not lose any that the Father gives him if we accept Jesus Christ in, into our heart the Father li- literally gives our lives to Jesus So we're in the care of Jesus Christ. We don't get lost. You know, the Bible talks about how we are wrapped in the hands of Jesus Christ. If you can, if you can picture something right in the palm of my hand and I cover it like this and I've got it in my palm. And my palm, my hands are Jesus Christ's hands. And in the middle is my life. But then the Bible gives us this picture. Then there's another picture where God takes His hands, the Father takes His hands, and He puts them over Jesus' hands. That's how secure your salvation is. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. When the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your spirit, you can't even kick Him out if you wanted to. Okay? So so, so Jesus Christ does not lose any of the ones that are given him I, w- I want to establish this and make you understand because as we get into this bema seat judgment you 're going to see there 's actually a lot of negative things that come out about this, and you 're going to think, wait, wait a second but but if i if I suffer loss, could could I lose my salvation and suffer that loss? I want to establish right away you cannot. That's what Jesus Christ is saying here. I lost none of them. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. None will be lost. But then let's go to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 10, and this is where it says, even those who know Christ must appear before the judgment seat. Verse 10 says this. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer... No, that's not the right one either. How in the world did I write these down? Chapter uh, Was it 20 again? I don't think it was 20 again. Did I do that twice? <laughs> Nope, it's not that one either. Well, I can just about quote it to you. I'll have to figure out which one it is. It says that therefore all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? Just because we accept Him as Savior into our heart does not mean that now we can float on our laurels we can just do whatever we want we can't lose our salvation which we just talked about so I can really do whatever I want whatever I choose to do I can't I'll never go to hell I, I can go out and I can lie I can steal I can do whatever I want why? because Jesus you won't lose me I can live how I want to why? because on earth that's, that's what you do it's fun I get to do that. And the Bible even says that sin, the joy of sin, lasts for a season. So yeah, it is fun. And there can be a fun attached to it. So, so I can't lose my salvation. So what's the point? Why not live how I want to live? And that's what we want to get into. Did you find it? Which it's chapter? 2 Corinthians 5.10 Oh, did I write the wrong book down? Wow. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, that's a different one, but yes. Uh, okay.
1: Okay.
0: So, anyways, let, let's talk about this, because that's actually where we're going to go next. Um, turn to, no, you said 2 Corinthians? Oh, no, okay, I'm, I was thinking Romans. Okay, 2 Corinthians, then you said 5. 5.10 is the
1: formula.
0: That's what I said? Okay, thank you. 2 Corinthians 5.10, if you're writing these down, put a little parenthesis with Peter next to it. Peter gave it to us. Okay, but let's talk about this justification. Just to show you in Scripture where it says this, turn to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 8 through 10. And understanding that salvation is just not this once and done thing right justification is what we talked about before let's start at verse 8 but god shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners christ died for us since therefore we have now been justified by his blood that that draping of jesus' blood over us when we accept him as his savior much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of god Okay, that, that's that's talking about the wrath of God is is that judgment seat that we were talking about the great white throne judgment, right? For if we were, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Okay, and and then uh, I'm I'm not going to get into the third part, which is the glorification. But this shows the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification meaning accepting Jesus Christ into our heart. Sanctification meaning how we live our life with Jesus Christ after that moment. When we accepted Jesus Christ into our heart, every breath that we breathe since then and until we breathe our last breath is how we live our life for Jesus Christ. That's that big word sanctification. I don't even like that word. It just—it's like a church word. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a different word for it though. But it—it's it's how we live our lives. And how we choose to draw close to Jesus Christ. What did he say here? He said, How much more, once we're justified by his blood, in the middle of verse 9, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? And then down at the end of verse 10, Much more now that we are reconciled or saved, we're justified, shall we be saved by his life. What does that mean? When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, when you begin to mimic the life of Jesus Christ, when you understand his principles, when you understand the relationship that he offers with you, as you begin to learn about him, then you draw close to him, and there is reward for drawing close to him. That's that second judgment. And really, I know, I know the Bible calls it a judgment seat. See, here in this day and age, we think of judgment as a negative thing, and that's really not what this means. Okay, the judgment seat, that word in the Greek to, to, uh, back in their time, it was more that there was a governmental authority, a judge presiding over what was happening so it's the same it's the same word used for judgment versus even a reward okay we're we're going to get into that here for for just a second but but we're we're justified through his blood but the end of verse 10 we now that we're reconciled how much more can we be saved? And that word there is talking about the sanctification of our salvation. How, how much more shall we be saved by his life? The example of his life, obviously he is not living on this earth anymore. Right? He is at the right hand of the Father. He raised from the dead and is at the right hand of the Father. But we know of his life, one, in the Word of God. We can read about His life. We can learn about His life. We can know how to act ourselves because of His life. But in that life, we can draw to Him. We can have relationship with Him. We can learn how to talk to Him and let Him talk to us. It's from that process that we become sanctified by His life. So it's important, the sanctification process, I mean, you can't say it's more important than justification, obviously. (laughs) But it's so important to understand how critical a relationship with Jesus Christ is. It's not critical to getting into heaven, but it's critical to how you're going to spend your time there. And that's where we get into some of the Controversial part, but let's take a look at the bema seat. We, we talked about the bema seat. Um, it's spelled B-E-M-A. The bema seat judgment. It's really, it's really more like a reward ceremony. But let, let me let me uh, give you the definition of this of what this means in the Greek. The word bema was taken from the Isthmian Games, where the contestants would compete for the prize under the careful scrutiny of judges who would make sure that every rule of the contest was obeyed. Okay, that's point number one. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you right now, because I want to establish a foundation here. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says this, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes. What? According to the rules. Let's go on with the Bema seat. The victor of a given event would participated who participated according to the rules was then led by the judge to the platform called the Bema. That's what that word means. It's a platform, kind of like if we look at the, the Olympics, when you get the top three and they win a medal, they, they step up and, and the platform is raised based on how they, how they came in, right? But that's what's called a bima. There, the laurel wreath, you've all seen in, in Greek games how, how they have this wreath that they put around the head, right? The laurel wreath was placed on that person's head as a symbol of victory. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 says this, Do you not know that a race, in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I want to to draw the similarities here of what this Bema seat judgment is or let's call it the Bema seat ceremony because that's really what it is there is a judge but it is not a judgment of sin right when we're standing before the Father we're righteous before the Father okay so this is not a judgment of sin you're either in the Lamb's Book of Life, or you're not in the Lamb's Book of Life, by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, or not accepting Him as your Savior. This is about rewards. This is a ceremony of rewards. The Bema Seat. That's that's why I pointed out those two scriptures, because one, it is running the contest, what? According to the rules of the contest. Oh, you mean i gotta, I got to go by rules? Man, you just ruined this whole thing for me. <laughs> okay, but what does that mean? We've talked about this before. Relationship versus religion. Okay, this is not about doing a list of things that you do in your life to make you feel good about your walk with Christ. It'll produce that, but it's more about the relationship you build with Him. And what you say yes to is what this reward ceremony is all about. And we will come to a place, and and to give you an idea, we won't get into this in Scripture, this kind of derails us a little bit, but, but at some point, okay, we either die right now, when we die, we go to be with the Lord, or... His rapture, and we've talked about that before, Revelation 3 verse 10 talks about it, where he comes and he meets his bride, okay, the church, those who have accepted Jesus Christ in, in their hearts, and meets us in the clouds, and we, we go and, and we're, we're in heaven with him, right? Okay. That's what, will, what happens right after that. Okay, that could be right now, because it could be any moment, it could be, you know, years from now. I don't know when it will be, but when it is, we will be with Him. Now, during the period of time that happens when He takes His bride home to be with Him, and He comes back to earth for the second coming, which is after the tribulation, there's a period of time that we will be in heaven together as the bride of Christ. Right? Because it says all those in Christ raised first in the rapture. In other words, all who know Christ as Savior will be up there when God's judgment is happening down here. So what happens while we're up there? That's where this Bema Seat ceremony takes place. And you can imagine the ceremony. I think of the Olympics when I think of this. You can imagine all the pomp and circumstance of the Olympics. Okay, The only difference here is there's more than three winners. Because the contest that you're running is not against your neighbor. It's against yourself. We all have the same opportunity to be victorious in this as anybody else who is saved. It doesn't matter that one person has a degree in in Bible and they know so much more and this other person barely knows the Bible. See, it doesn't matter and we're going to get into that a little bit as to what that means you are judged on what or this ceremony happens this race that you're running you are put into a category according to what God has given you ok so you're judged on what God intended for your life not what he intended for mankind you know, across the board if God intended for my life to be a certain way and my rewards then are based upon How I let him bring that will to pass You know, that's why the Bible Again, I love it when the Bible simplifies things We don't have to worry so much About what God wants to do in our lives When, when the disciples said Teach us how to pray You know, that could be a really complicated thing, right? Right? You can imagine, well, you know, think of, okay, what's needed here and then pray real hard for it and take it before the courts. Jesus could have said all that, but he didn't. he didn't. He made it simple. He said, no, he said, pray for my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, this is a concept that, I mean, after 43 years of salvation, I'm just starting to fathom. I don't have to go through and and... Subject my will into my prayers. You know, we we were kind of taught that in this election season. Lord, how do you want us to pray? Because he told us what he what he wanted to have happen. So do we pray for that? No, just pray for my will. Just pray for my will to be done. Well it, it it's the same for our lives. If you want to draw closer to Jesus Christ, pray for His will to be done in your life as it is in heaven. What does that mean? It means as it's written in heaven. Remember Psalm 139, we each have a book written about us. Remember we talked about that. That is God's will for our lives. It was written before we were ever born. So when we go before the Lord and we ask for His will to be done on earth in my life, when I say, Lord, do Your will in my life as You have written it in heaven, it's as He wrote it in the book for my life. I'm just saying yes. I'm just saying I want Your will. I want You to do with my life whatever, whatever it is You want. That's how we begin to build a relationship. How we begin... To understand what it means to give our life over to Jesus Christ. But know that that relationship that we build with Jesus, every word that we say will be tested by fire in this ceremony. Remember, we talked about it last week when we talked about that words have weight every careless word that we say carries weight there will be a time where we are held responsible for that now because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ that, that isn't a matter of being held responsible to then be punished but what it does it goes against the very rewards that are offered in the word of God you know, you ever, you ever think of what it means? There, there are five crowns in the Bible that we can earn, right? Plus, then there are eternal rewards that we can earn. These are things we earn. We don't earn our salvation, but we can earn our sanctification. Jesus Christ did everything for you on the cross. But in relationship with him, you've got to notice you have to step to him first. You pursue Him in that relationship. Okay, He pursues us for salvation. We have to engage in the relationship. He doesn't do everything for us. We can't just say, I want to be close to you, I give you my yes. And that's it. We can't do that. We can do that for justification because that's that's 100% grace. He did that. Everything for us. All we had to do was accept it. But to build a relationship with Him, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes setting aside our own will and saying, okay, Lord, I, I trust you. I want your will. Even if this is something I really wanted to do, but I trust you to do your work in my life. All these things go into our book and will all be flushed out at this ceremony, this Bema Seat Ceremony. And you know what, I'm not going to get into this one yet because we're we're about out. Next week we're going to talk about what it means when we go before the court. Okay, so so I, I've laid this foundation of, of we will face one judgment or another. All right, let's Let's think of it more as a judgment or a ceremony. We have a choice. By accepting Jesus Christ into our hearts, we no longer have to face that judgment seat of the father but now we are in a race we've been placed in a race that we can run with Jesus Christ and that race is all about getting to know him getting to know him and letting him work in our lives that's why it's called a relationship we learn how to give him our yes right we learn how to communicate with him so so we we have established That one day we will stand before him Even as saved people We will stand before him In this award ceremony Called the Bema Seat And we're going to get into next week What that means Because see the Bible talks about Rewards And it talks about suffering loss too What's that mean? You mean Heaven isn't the same for everybody? See, don't be confused. The Bible never said heaven was the same for everybody. It says it's paradise, so it's going to be good for everybody. It's going to be great for everybody. It's certainly better than the alternate. But don't think for a second that what we experience in heaven will be the same with everybody. Because it has everything to do with how we live the second part of our salvation that relationship with Jesus Christ that sanctification not how good we are okay be careful with that not how good we are but how much we give him our yes and how much we draw close to him by just saying yes to what he wants to do in our lives. We'll, get in, we'll begin getting into that next week, and that's where I was saying, that's kind of where the title of this came out, What Happened to My Paradise, you know. We, 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 we have this kind of myopic view of heaven that, well, I don't know what's on the other side, but I'll just kind of get there and float, and everything will be good, and we'll all just be kind of floating around, partying, whatever. And we don't really get a concept of what it's going to be like. That's what I want to dig into, because I think it'll surprise you. And I think it will surprise you in an awesome, awesome way. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait until the thousand-year reign of Christ. We're going to talk about that a little bit. You've you got to understand, that's not in heaven, right? Okay, that's right here on earth. Okay, I don't want to give any of that away, but, but we're going to begin to get into that a little bit next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you. And God, this is such a huge, awesome subject. You, you know my trepidation with you when you told me to, to, that, that we were doing this next. Mm-hmm. Lord, it's because it, it's such an awesome, intricate subject. I, I just want everyone to get it. So I I pray Lord that as you work in each heart as you work in each life that you do the very thing that you promise. you send your Holy Spirit and you open up our eyes to your scripture. And I thank you for what you're going to do through this series Father. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We talked about the fact that there's two judgment seats a judgment seat and a ceremonial seat and there's only one way to avoid that great white throne judgment and avoid the consequences of that and that's accepting Jesus Christ into your heart and this isn't about being a good person this isn't about living life a certain way claiming to be A Christian Or claiming to be religious It simply boils down To a specific moment In your life When you understood Who Jesus Christ is And what he did on the cross And where he is now And you accepted him Into your heart As savior And I'd be remiss In not Giving this opportunity That if You cannot remember a specific time That you did that You can take care of that right now so easily And your very destination be changed In a moment I I don't want anybody looking around But with raised hand Is there anyone in here this morning Who does not remember ever praying that prayer I'm not going to embarrass you I want to pray for you. Is there anyone in here? Just raise your hand. So as we all know Jesus Christ, I want you to begin to feel the importance of understanding what a relationship with Him is and what it does, not just for here, but what he's going to lay out for us after we're gone from this world. Father, as I said, just open our eyes. Holy Spirit, just open our eyes as we contemplate this, think about this throughout the week and continue on with this next week. Open our eyes. Give us a glimpse into what you have for us. Because I know in my own life, God, as I began to understand what You have set aside for me, because of my relationship with You and and what what I can run for, like Paul said, it just changed my whole perspective of what this life means, and all the thing all of a sudden the cares of this l- l- world, Lord, just weren't. As important. So I pray dear God. Please. That you open our eyes as we study this. In Jesus name. Amen.